Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. Uh, we've just gotten into the new year, so happy new year to everyone and Jason as well. Happy new year to you. I was, uh, How did you celebrate? <laughs> uh, going to bed early. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is the best answer. <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's like, I think, do people still party anymore? But I'm sure they do. <laughs> they do, but I think when you get to our ages, it's not as like it used to be, or even if you can <laughs> make it up to the ball drop. Um, we were watching actually the Ohio State football, Georgia football game with there people. There you go. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I saw a little bit of that. And that ended. That ended right, right after the ball drop. So oh, we really? played right yeah. through to the, yeah. yeah. It's like midnight happened, and then Ohio State missed a kick to win the game, and that was it. It's like you know the twelve oh one or twelve oh two, and then it was all over. <laughs> I wish yeah, I would have gone to bed early. I didn't know how the game ended for some reason I didn't check out afterwards but. yeah well you know with a kid that goes to Ohio State I was paying attention yeah well, it seemed like it was a good game huh it was it was a very exciting game yeah but I would have rather been seeing some live music instead yeah oh for sure yeah so that's a good segue uh, into our guest and we are going and we went uh, virtually across the pond. For some reason, I thought it was the UK, but it was not. It is Ireland. Ireland. The the Emerald Isle. (laughs) Our first Irish guest. Our first Irish guest. And we, you know, we've had somebody from Wales on. We had Jade, Jade Williams, Jade Like the Stone. We've had english guests on and now we have an irish guest i think the only thing we're going to miss now is a scottish guest brian to kind of get that whole landmass covered and maybe that will be a heavier accent that would probably be a lot heavier (laughs) accent so unlike mr jordan dennis the king of the strings who had his ep the man in the hat come out in this december uh jordan did not have a crazy strong irish accent he had the as i told him off when we were done recording, he has like the Hollywood Irish accent where you can actually understand him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it was interesting to hear about uh, um, where he's from being the Nashville of Ireland. Who knew? Who knew there was a Nashville of Ireland? And when you Google it, it really is a thing. It's true. And what, what, what did you find out when you Googled that it is the it's the, i just googled nashville of ireland and castle blaney came up and there's a bunch of youtube videos about it and all sorts of stuff so yeah pinterest even has castle blaney the nashville of ireland like every, how did we never know this brian how did I we know, never but know it, this? it seems like that's the better place to be instead of dublin i guess for it's, 
this kind of yeah i mean it sounds like it's a very artsy it's close to dublin it's artsy has a lot going on there it's known for country music they like country music there they like the line dance that see that's like i don't know why i find them so surprising you know irish i am too out of all the things we could export over there they don't have captain crunch but they have line dancing where is that is ireland (laughs) where the river dance comes from yes see I knew that for some reason. Michael Flatley, right? Lord of the River Dance, is that who that is? But yeah, I don't see like like clubs having like river dances. <laughs> who knows? I mean, Castle Blaney probably has one pub that is club or club that's that's what they do. They river dance. Well, uh, Jordan's got an EP, uh, Man in a Hat, which is very good and more stuff on the way. Absolutely. Again, like I said, he's a, a, a really good guitar player, kind of finding out his his voice and what he does here. But his playing blew me away. So love the man, the hat, the four songs on there. And I'm definitely looking forward to what, what comes from him. And you guys will learn a lot more and listen to our conversation with Jordan Dennis. <laughs> We're here at the guest segment of the podcast, and Jason is going to uh, introduce our guest from across the pond. Yeah, it's great to have another across the pond episode, particularly with a artist that. I really dig. Fantastic guitar player. I played some dates over in the UK with our friends, the Cold Stairs. It is up and coming guitar slinger, the king of the strings, Jordan Dennis from Ireland. How you doing, Jordan? How are you, fellas? How are you, Jason and Brian? It's great to finally be able to sit down and chat with you lads. Good. What, what part of Ireland? Not that, that I would probably know, even if you tell us, but... <laughs> <laughs> Pull up the map. Well, I, what part of Ireland? Well, I was born and raised in Dublin. Uh, and uh, the, my, my, my wife is from uh, a place called Castle Blaney, which is just about an hour north. And I, I relocated here myself some, some years back. Um, so at the moment now, I'm uh, living and residing in Castle Blaney. I've really found my, my uh, really landed on my feet here and kind of came into myself here. So uh, talking to you from Castle Blaney, uh, the Nashville of Ireland, as it's known. Oh, because, Na- uh, Wait, is it really known as Nashville, it's, it's, Ireland? It's really known, yeah. yeah the, Holy shit. It's known as the Nashville of Ireland. So, if you're if you're from Ireland, like you know, but like if you if you if you come up to Castle Blaney, you'll see like we've we've as you come into the town, there's like a music wall of fame, and it has like all of the uh, the Irish arts from Castle Blaney that have have done well, you know, both nationally and abroad. And you know, you get a lot of country country uh, singers that come into the country and they'll, they'll do dates up here, and and it's just it's 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 a massive country scene up here, massive country scene. Okay. Hence, hence country, the name. Why country music in Ireland? I don't know. It's one of those strange things. Like I often say to people, like again, like I often say to people, you you, you read about these like uh, these small villages, maybe in, in in South America, you know, National Geographic, where you go down there, like, and there's these people, and they all speak German, and you're kind of like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, it's one of those weird things. And you come up here, like, and like the the, the it's like they've taken the American country music, and they've they've kind of almost like embrace it and made it their own part of their own heritage like and you come up here like and there's irish flags and there's american flags 
uh, you know, they love their Westerns up here. And I don't know, it's because coming from Dublin, as this is my wife's from Castle Blaney, I, I located up here some years back. And yeah, it's just, I found it strange as well. I found it strange. Like as an artist, it it's something that I, uh, it grew on me. And I found it uh, really kind of, uh, you know, it, it inspired, of course, uh, my own work and my own writing. But, but uh, when, I, when I first came here, it was, it was, yeah, it was definitely strange. Like I can't really explain it. It's just, yeah, they're taking it on as, as their heritage, you know, really it's a big part. And, you know, big Tom McBride, who was a, a Castle Blaney man uh, back in the 1960s, you know, he, he did very well as like a country singer and he was kind of like the, he was kind of like the, the king of country as he's known here in Ireland. And he kind of started the ball rolling and then all these other country acts like Mike Denver, Derek Ryan, uh, uh, Robert Mazel, you know, it's just a big scene over here. Big, big scene. I can't really explain it, but is, is it mostly country or is there like Southern blues? Is there like a mix? Cause like in Nashville, there's all kinds of bands. Mm. Is it mostly country there? mostly country yeah okay yeah mostly now as we as as, it, as we'd call it up here uh joy of joy of music so like it's uh country music but but with a rhythm and like a beat that you can dance to so not so much really the slower stuff but more kind of in in, in that category of joy of that people can go dance to um i mean up here at the glencairn hotel every week they have uh they've uh they have dancing, like lime dancing and joy of dancing. So you get, oh my like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So you get country bands that come, but when I say country bands, like they're Irish bands, but uh, their genre is country. Like and people come up just for the dancing, you know, I went to one recently enough with my wife there in December. It was fantastic. And, um, but it's a big thing up here. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when did you get your start in music and then how does that lead up to uh, doing your own thing, having your own band? Uh, well, back when I was, Back in uh, back when I was six years old, for Christmas, my my grandparents, my father's uh, parents, asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I was looking through the uh, the Argos magazine, which is like a toy, the toy magazine at the time, and I seen like a drum kit, it looks pretty cool, and it, you know, I says, well, may I'd like a drum kit, you know, just it just looks cool. Um, I didn't get a drum kit now; it was it was too loud, too big, so they got me like a little micro machines uh, army set. But then the following summer, I think my parents thought maybe I had an interest in music, and a chap that my father went to school with Mick Gary he uh, he played guitar and he taught guitar so my parents got a nylon uh, acoustic from a neighbour and they went around to this Mick Gary's uh, place and said listen I think Jordan might be interested in music could you maybe teach him a few chords you know so I, was, I started going around to Mick for lessons and at first like I really it was like more of a chore you know I, I don't remember ever saying I wanted to play guitar and um, I think they just assumed I did because I asked for a drum kit but I only asked for a drum kit because it looked cool <laughs> and uh then I'd heard, uh, I went to see Godzilla in the cinema, uh, the remake, you know, and I'd heard uh, P. Diddy, P. Diddy's... Uh, oh, yeah, come with me. me. You know? yep. And, and I, I bought the cassette tape and I was like, this is really, really cool. I really dig the, the sound, you know. And then my uncle Enda, he says, you know, he says, that's a sample. He says, the original band's Led Zeppelin. So he gave me a, a Led Zeppelin uh, latter days, an early days, it was a double album. And he said, listen to this, Cashmere, this is the original, this is where the sample comes from. And I listened to it and I just, I, that, that's where it all started for me, where I really then got serious about the guitar and wanted to, to pursue it. And uh, then I'd lost, I think my parents sold the car they had at the time and I'd left one of the CDs, the, the early days uh, in, in, in the glove compartment. So I only had like from Houses of the Holy to Intro the Outdoor. So that was like mm-hmm. a compilation album. Um, and that's kind of what, that's what inspired me to pick up the guitar and to pursue it seriously. And uh 
then a couple of years later, then of course I'd 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 come on as about fourteen. I'd come across Led Zeppelin one up to Led Zeppelin four, and for that space of time, it was mainly the the later Led Zeppelin catalog that uh, had influenced me to start. Very cool. I no surprise that Zeppelin is a, a huge influence as it is for so many people. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Page. Well, not just you know, not just Jimmy Page, but all you know, as a unit, John Paul Jones. Uh, you know, John Bonham as a drummer and, and Robert Plant's vocals, you know, how they kind of like I'm not when it comes to blues, I'm not like I love my blues, but I'm not really in the vein of traditionalist. Like I like mm-hmm. stuff like Zeppelin that like they took the blues and they turned it on its head. They made it their own. And mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff, you know. So so what they brought to the blues uh, really inspired me, you know, really inspired me as a guitar player. And even to this day, like I like I like to hear a lot of my blues. They may be something, you know, that's been turned on its head or or put a fresh spin, spin, someone's put a fresh spin on something, you know, a lot of this traditional blues, I'm not really into mm. as much, uh, I'm all about moving forward. Right. Yeah, I kind of describe you, I mean, your playing is hard rock with blues influence on it. Yeah, which, yeah. Well, the, which is very Zeppelin-y. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I suppose, I, well, I suppose that's, you know, that's where the influence comes in, um, you know, hard rock, uh, hard rock with the blues influence is definitely there but like that it's not in the i don't think it's as obvious you know it's not in the traditional sense but it's definitely there um, and then you have the neo-western as well which with yeah the elements, the elements of uh of the country and that comes of course from the uh you know the uh inspired by by my town in castle blaney it's that element as well you know but uh neo-western yes yeah, so it's the hard rock the new blues and then the kind of country and western that's come in the last couple of years as well. I still can't believe, Brian, that Ireland gave us like U2 and the Cranberries and all these other great bands. Mm-hmm. And then we gave them country music. <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize, Jordan. Oh, nothing to apologize for. Nothing to apologize. We love it. So we you're, love in, it. you're in Dublin, you know, when you're, when this is all kind of starting for you, are yeah. you playing in other bands or how, you know, how long until you just said you're going to start your own band? Well, uh, so I, I was six when I picked up the guitar in Dublin and uh, then up until maybe I was about 14 or so, I, 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 I just played myself, you know, at home in the house in the bedroom. And then when I was about 14, then a couple of my mates from school, uh, Gav, Mark and Sean, uh, they said, look, do you want to start a band? So I thought obviously it'd be, be the right way to move forward as a musician, you know, to, uh, and at that stage as well, when I just come into, like we have secondary school in Ireland, but as you call it over in America, high school, you know, I'd made new friends and I'd been introduced to a lot of my music, like uh, my, 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 my horizon just expanded with the music. So it was kind of like a renaissance period, I suppose, if you like, uh, for an aspiring musician. So we started a band anyway. And at the time, like we, our influences were like a lot of the 1950s and 60s, uh, rock and roll and pop so we did like a lot of chuck berry elvis presley beatles and i suppose like the rhythm and blues that's a great place to start from as a musician as well playing in a unit with other musicians because no better place uh, to start than the blues you know you've got a steady rhythm you've got a simple enough chord progressions and you can kind of you can just there's there's no way nowhere to go from there other than forward you know you branch out on a tangent so just over the years started off with the rock and roll and uh then from there, it just, yeah, as I say, it just branched out. And so what, you know, when you're in your teenage years, what was the scene like in Dublin? Uh, the scene in Dublin, uh, my team, well, 
you know, back then in the teenage years, uh, playing with bands, uh, it's been said like, you know, since the 1980s, a lot of bands and particularly in Dublin, and it's true, like even when I was a teenager, uh, not that long ago, my dad, uh, you know, you'd be compared to like, you'd be compared a lot to you too. Mm-hmm. Like, and not in a good way. I mean, like, you know, people wouldn't say like it wouldn't be a case of like, oh, you know, like, this band sounds like you are as good as you too. But like, you could put out your 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 music out there as a band. And like, there was one stage in school, like, where I remember we were writing songs and and not putting them out, like releasing them at the time, but like just writing songs and performing them. And like, I think at one or two stage, one or two uh, stages, um, I was told by by the other bandmates that the teachers had commented you know, in the class, you know, it's good, you know, but it's, it's no U2 and all this. So you're, you're just kind of compared to U2 from the get go. But uh, the scene was just, yeah, like I've been in Dublin for years playing in bands and I never like cover bands and originals, but mainly covers. And I never really had any success with that. Uh, I'd made money, of course, playing the covers and playing, you know, uh, weddings and bars and hotels and mm-hmm. that, but uh, in terms as an artist, it wasn't very uh, fruitful and um, there was a lot of boxes that you know people were trying to think to fit in as an artist you know you had to look a certain way play a certain way sound a certain way and um, so I didn't really have a lot of luck there but it's when I kind of I, I met my wife and I, I moved to Castle Blaney that I really found myself uh, as an artist and came into my own and it's only in the last year uh, so well September 21 that I, I launched myself as an artist so it took it took a long while I suppose to find my find myself or find my my identity as an artist but that didn't really happen in Dublin so I just answered a question it happened here in Castle Blaney Dublin so was just a training music, ground what kind of music were you covering um be- before you moved into doing originals uh, well you know it started off as I said with like 50s and 60s so yeah like Chuck Berry Elvis Presley um Jerry I mean, were you doing any modern stuff or even like you know 90s yeah. okay and it, like uh, towards towards the end of my teenage years, like we 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 moved into to modern stuff. Like you're talking about pop pop stuff. We did a bit of everything to keep everybody happy. So when you're playing a bar, like you know, you, you might do a mix of pop, mix of rock, a bit of country, a few ballads, tra- Irish trad, traditional, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, just middle of the road stuff to keep everybody happy, as as the business yeah. requires, you know. Well, you're kind of a shredder, you know. I mean, you you can play really well and you can do a lot so i was just curious was there anything maybe what was influenced you at the time and did you get a chance to kind of play some of that stuff in your other bands uh, yeah well you know for years i, I felt very and I, i'd voiced this a lot with fellas in the band uh you know one of the reasons as well why i wanted to move forward as an original artist you know uh, I, I was very frustrated um as a musician because you know when you're doing covers you're doing you're doing a lot of, like, you're doing, of course, what people want to hear, keeping everybody right. happy, middle of the right. road stuff, but not everybody wants to hear, like, the most expressive or the most technical guitar playing. They just want, almost in some, some 90% of circumstances, like, background music, you know, they're having beers or there's a function on. And so you never really get to fully express yourself or, or you know, develop technically as a musician. I felt, anyway, you know, a lot of the shredding stuff and technical. So a lot of that stuff was stuff I kind of did in my own time. Um. And it was that was one of the, that was one of the reasons as well why I wanted to move forward as a I felt like as a as a, as a covers artist commercial artist I kind of I, I'd hit the the ceiling and the only way forward then was as an original artist so I could properly express and put my own uh, stamp on things out there you know because all that so like the likes of the when you listen to the King of the Strings or any my, my solo work 
Um, you, you wouldn't have heard any of that really at the covers gigs. I'm doing it now. Like I'm doing it yeah. now. When I do a gig now and I do some covers, I, I'll, I'll do that now and I'll throw in songs that are quite technical on the guitar. But uh, before... Like what? Like what are you, what are you playing? Well, you know, I still like I. Well, if I'm doing a gig now, I'll do my originals, but right. I'd also do covers, and I want to do stuff that people want to hear. So I'll do like say, say rock covers that people want to hear. That will also involve you know something technical. So say like uh, Thunderstruck by ACDC, or I might do some some Van Halen, you know, stuff like that that really require kind of like more technical playing stuff that I wouldn't have got to do before. Right. You know. Well, and that moves you now into the your man in the hat EP, and how did all of that come about? Yeah, the man in the hat. Well, uh, I'd moved I'd, I'd moved from Dublin in 2019, just the start of uh, January 3rd, actually 2020. I moved to Castle Blaney. So right and, in time uh, for COVID. Right in time for COVID, yeah. <laughs> and when I'm not see when I'm not a music, when I'm not gigging or teaching guitar. Uh, I always supplemented my income with a different job. And for years I did like, I was a barman. I did bar work in Ireland. Like you're not short of bars, so you're not short of work. <laughs> Wait a minute. The Irish like to drink? I've not yeah, heard would you that believe? before. Yeah, <laughs> would you believe? Uh, I, but my wife is a nurse and she said, she says to me, like, would you be interested maybe doing some work in healthcare? And so in 28, 2017, sorry, I got involved in, in healthcare. So I was working as a, HEA healthcare assistant uh, for a dementia unit and acquired brain injury, and yeah. then I just I just moved to Monaghan and I again I was I was working on the healthcare services the frontline services and then the pandemic hit, and it was just it went from like bad to worse and yeah. I, I I got I got uh, I got COVID uh, quite early when I got it in April 2020 when it first kind of came into Ireland. You know, and we didn't know a whole lot. It's not like now where you got your vaccines and you're okay. Mm -hmm. And it's at the time, like, you know, we didn't know a lot about it. And I got a call from the virology lab in UCD in Dublin. And your man says to me, basically, he says, well, Mr. Dennis, he says, like, you're a young man. He says, like, you've got a good chance to survive. And he says, but in like 12 to 14 days, like, it's already going to go one or two ways. Like, you know, it sounds dramatic now, but at the time we didn't know enough about it. So, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like it was, it was very, very scary. And I got a call then from the army. Uh, they have a barracks in Rotmoyens because they were keeping tabs on people. Like, you know, if you're infected, who, where, have you, where have you been the last couple of days? Who have you been? So at the time, they were just treating like a very, very serious disease. And like that just freaked me out. I didn't know which way it was going to go for me. And then for two months or so, I was very, very sick. And my wife, of course, being a nurse, like she was going in to work 12 hour shifts in the hospital. And when she'd leave for work, I was just terrified that she'd get sick, and mm -hmm. that the, the the kind of the toll that had then on my mental health uh, was very very bad. And I was diagnosed then with uh, cognitive OCD, and I went on to medication and and whatnot. Medication I'm still on today, but uh, it went from it went from bad to worse. And then as we kind of came out of COVID, then you know, and it says uh, that kind of being faced with your own kind of mortality. Uh, but at the time, anyway, like not knowing which way it was going to go, I was more, I was more driven than ever. I says when, when, when I can to, to put out my original work and launch myself as an original artist. And like the man in the hat was, uh, I suppose in many ways it was like a concept album. Um, you know, during COVID things were very uh, bleak and very uh, 
was very uh, not, not depressing, I suppose you could say, you know, the dire state of things. And uh, I drew a lot of parallels. Like I've, I've, I've always loved Western cinema and its teams. And I suppose with the influence, the country and Western influence, Castlevania and my own love of Westerns, I, I drew a lot of influence between the, the, the teams and the parallels between the Western movies and what was going on in real life, just the dire state of things. And so I had my own hard rock, new blues sound, but I wanted to put like the country and Western uh, spin on my work, you know, and so I incorporated those teams with my own work and kind of wrote about things, but wrote about things that I'd experienced, but put that Western spin on them. And, and that's where the whole neo-Western uh, term was coined with the genre. But uh, yeah, no, 2019, um, 2019 into 2020, COVID. And then coming out of that, the man in the hat, it was basically as my first musical offering as an original artist it was my hard rock new blues sound meets the country and western influence of castle blaney and what was going on at the time you know so the man and hat and the hat kind of became this uh alter ego where basically like when i got back gigging um it, it, it was it was somebody who'd been through all this and experienced all this and came through the other side you know not not exactly the same person but but uh you know, persevered anyhow, persevered anyhow, because it was like a new frontier when we came out of COVID. I don't know what it was like there in the States, but in Ireland, it was like a new frontier. I mean, we knew things would never be the same, but we didn't know really what to expect. Like, like when I started off gigging, um, as we came out of lockdown in Ireland, I played, you know, in, I played in barns. I played in, in uh, the farm bar barns, you know, I played in uh, pubs and you had to finish at a certain time because, mm -hmm. you know, it was illegal. To, to be opening bars or have live music after a certain time or having too many people, you know? So it was like a new frontier in many ways, going back to drawing parallels between the Westerns, it was like a new frontier. So the man in the hat kind of came from my experiences uh, through COVID. So do you uh, have like a kiss, uh, kiss, consistent lineup for your band? For no, the way- When you started the originals and when you go out and play? As I said, like, you know, for years, I, I from, from high school, like, you know, I, I played in, a, in bands with fellas and different uh, setups and whatnot. And I found, like, I just wasn't, like, I wasn't interested in dealing with the BS or the politics that, that usually comes with a band. I mean, some people are very lucky, you know, they meet the right people and it just gels and it works. But I says, you know, no one's going to work harder for me, for, for me than myself, you know, and so. I went ahead writing my music, you know, guitar and uh, well, music and lyrics. And when it came to, when it came to like say percussion, what I do was I'd, I'd, I'd have an idea for percussion in my head and I demo a percussion. So I, I'd, I'd create my own percussion, like uh, on MIDI and I do my own, I do my own bass lines as well. And then what I do is I'd have, I kind of like have a few, a session drummer and, I'd contact him and say, listen, like I'm not competent to play drums, I says, but I've wrote, I've, I've written the percussion and I'd like you to record this for me, you know, but do like a clean, a clean, clean uh, cut of it. So for King of the Strings and the man, King of the Strings, Battle Cry and Equalize in the WDP, um, I'd worked with a session drummer in uh, Ireland, uh, Mr. Donald Bones. And so I'd created the percussion I'd sent to Donald and then he recorded like a studio, a clean studio version for me. And then I, he sends it back to me, the stems, and then I'd remix them, uh, you know, add, add, uh, add parts, take away parts and kind of just 
cut and paste what I like um, and what I kind of the, the sound I have in my head. And that's what you'd hear then on the final on the final cut that makes it to the release. What about when you're out playing live? When I'm out playing live, so the guitar, my guitars are live and my vocals are live. My bass is live. So it's it's basically uh, yeah, my guitar goes into an ABY box, an amp splitter. And then the bass signal goes into a sub octave pedal, which then goes into a subwoofer and like a bass amp. So that gets the low end frequency. And then I've got my high end, my regular guitar tone coming through my Marshall. And from my percussion, then I have, as I says, I have the percussion tracks that I've, I've written and have recorded and I'd remix them then for like different live shows. So I'd mix them up every time and I'd access them through like a MIDI player then. So like a, a pedal. Every live show, it's different. Like I'd have basically the different remixes of my own songs. And so the percussion might pl play a certain part in this show. And then the next show, you'd hear the same song, but uh, the percussion might be slightly different. And it would mean then that the structure of the song changes as well. So for live scenarios, uh, everything's live bar the percussion. That's played through uh, MIDI, through MIDI, which is the same as my piano. Um, I, I, I've also got piano now. Uh, this new year now, I'm adding piano to my uh, my second EP, and I'll be adding it to my live shows as well. Uh, but again, that's that's piano that's powered by MIDI. So just kind of a, it's a neat enough setup, but uh, it just obviously requires the power of a of a, of a computer or a DAW digital audio workstation. Okay. Um, Are you considering adding some band members in the future when you you know when you keep kind of spreading your musical influence? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against it. You know, as I always say, like whatever serves the music, whatever serves the the art and the work. Um, I wouldn't be against adding um an actual drummer. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me at all. Uh, you know, it'd be like like a two piece. Uh, during the summer, um, I was contacted by Tresombre Tour support to support a chap called Zach Pearson on his on his UK tour dates, an American fella. Uh, he has a two-piece, kind of like the Cole series before they, they had Royce, yeah. you know. I wouldn't be against it at all, but just like, you know, as I says, I started off saying, like, you know, no one's going to work as hard for me as myself. And so I, I didn't want to let a little thing like that get in the way. I says, I want to push forward, create work, and if it's meant to be, it'll come about. And like with The Man in the Hat, I, I composed that and I orchestrated that myself and... I did all the or orchestral parts uh, in my studio here in Castle Blaney on MIDI. And now I have I have it arranged to meet the uh, with, with, with the Czech National Symphony Orchestra to conduct that now later this year. And mm. I'll be working with a 33 piece orchestra. But wow. like that, I, I've never met them before, but it, it, it doesn't stop me from putting the work out there. You know, if I had to wait about for things to fall into place or to meet the right people, I, I'd be just pulling my hair out, you know. <laughs> so I'm happy to work with them. But again, I'm not put myself in a position where I have to wait around for the right people to come along, you know? I'm sure you're going to have some people, you know, listen to this, this EP of yours is four songs or see you play live and want to, want to probably do some live music with you. Yeah. And I, and I wouldn't be against it at all. I wouldn't be against it at all. Well, I'm hoping that to do this year. Now I've got a couple of uh, potential uh, duets. I've got a guest spot on a, on an album by a friend of mine, uh, Broadway actor, uh, singer, songwriter, actor uh, Derek Dempsey, and um, he's been asking me now to possibly play guitar in his upcoming album. Um, so I'm hoping now to to duet on that, and maybe that'll again lead to another, you know, another duet. And like that, I wouldn't be against working with anybody if the right people come along. 
I'm all good with that. And you mentioned the cold stairs a little bit too, because you know originally they were a duo. Chris was doing the bass and and the guitar parts, kind of like you. Where I'm going is you you did open some dates from this past year, correct? When they came through your neck of the uh, woods, I did. Yeah, so I opened I'd opened uh, three legs of the well, when I say three legs of the tour, it was three legs of the tour for me. Um, I on the first leg I opened for them in Manchester, and then I opened for them in uh, Leeds, Bradford. And then after that, then it was, uh, I had to come home. To, so basically I, I, I flew over, flew back to Ireland, flew over for the second leg then in Scarborough. And then we drove up to Edinburgh in Scotland and then flew back to Ireland and then flew, got the boat back, got the ferry back to uh, Wales. And then the third date was in the live rooms in Chester. So there's a few, few dates there I opened for them. Did you and Chris discuss your both love of Western films? Um, truth be told, I, I didn't really get speaking to Chris that much. Um, you know, I didn't see that much of Chris now. I, I, I'd more so seen uh, uh, Brian and Bryce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first day I arrived uh, in Manchester down to the, uh, the venue, uh, Brian was there and Bryce was there, but Chris was nowhere to be seen. And I was told that uh, their, their PA or their mixer had broken. So Chris was out in Manchester looking to see where he could buy a, a mixer for the show that was happening that night. He was going night, to watch you know? Clint Eastwood Whoop movies, I'm sure. That, that was just a <laughs> <Yeah>. lie. <laughs> you know, so he was kept busy. He was, he was always on his toes. He was kept busy during that yeah. tour, no doubt. Well, they kind of run their own show. And I think it was a good matchup for you. You guys have some similar styles. I mean, of course, you're different, but like... The whole, the whole heavy rock blues influence kind of thing with a love of American Western movies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and like most artists like that have inspired me or that continue to inspire me. Like most of them are either retired or deceased and very few of them are still living, let alone touring and putting music and work out there. And the Colsters are one of those artists, you know, so it was a real treat to, and a real privilege. It was an honor for me to... Uh, to meet the fellas and to tour with them and um, you know and I don't get like uh, I don't get like starstruck but meeting Chris I, there was definitely an element of like I was kind of like a bit starstruck you know because here's the <laughs> here's the songer this the, sorry, the, the songwriter the singer the guitar player of like one of my favorite bands and yeah definitely I found myself a bit starstruck you now and uh, chatting with Chris so when you're you're playing your shows um what percentage of them do you have somewhere you just do originals your originals and do you have more originals that we haven't heard yet or like what yeah. percentage did you have to do like covers well you know when i was doing the tour with the coals there's and um, it was all originals it was all originals uh and then on the second date in bradford uh the management told me they said that one of the one of the opening acts i think there was another opening act as well and they pulled out so they asked me if i could do like a 45 minute set so I ended up playing some songs off my second EP that hasn't even been recorded yet but the songs were written or they were being you know they were being written at the time so that was interesting but uh yeah I've got a, I've got like the, the original I suppose the release of an album was these nine songs and I decided what I wanted to do then I wanted to release them instead of just putting one album out with like nine songs I wanted to do a singles two singles because at least that way then you know you're consistent with your work. So every every couple of months you've got another single out. And instead of just dropping the one album and kind of that's that's it then. So the, I broke down this debut album into nine songs. So three EPs. So the first EP was the four songs, The Man in the Hat, 
king of the strings battle cry equalize this second ep now which i'm hoping to have out by march will be another three or four songs again the songs are written and it's more so it's more blues based this um as i've as i've kind of thought of it it's more kind of punk blues so as he says it's uh definitely going on to my blues influences my blues roots but with that kind of turning turning it on its head and it's not it's not very it's not quite traditional at all so it's 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 more uh I suppose, yeah, as I, as I say, punk blues is more of an aggression to it. But 90% of the shows I do, like when I'm not, say, well, I'm not on tour, uh, if I'm gigging here in Castle Blaney, like a lot of the shows I do, it's 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 so that I can finance, I can, you know, I can get the cash to finance my own work mm-hmm. on my own releases. Yeah. So it'll mean that I'm playing, like I played my last show of 2022 20, there uh, on Thursday, and I played in a, I played in a, a a community center like a, a gym if you like a school gym basketball hall in a latin here in monaghan and uh, you know i played my own music but also to keep everybody happy i played a bit of kind of everything so i did some covers and then when i did covers you know as i says people love country up here i love country so i did stuff like uh you know, I did Kenny Rogers as well. I did like oh, Kenny uh, Rogers. What, Kenny, what Rogers Kenny Rogers. Kenny yeah. Rogers. Well, of course, of course, I did the Gambler. You know, yeah, well, of course, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I did like, uh, but then that night as well, like I did like uh, Derek Ryan. You know, Mike Den- Mike Denver, uh, Big Tom McBride. I don't know if, if you're familiar with Big Tom, but check him out. Definitely worth checking out. He's the. Uh, we have a statue here in town, a big like six foot statue, bronze statue to Big Tom. The king of country and um, he's loved here in castle blaney so i did some of his tunes but like that when it came to doing covers you know you just do songs as well that i enjoy that people want to hear but put my own spin on them put my own yeah. spin on them you know but uh yeah so when it comes to live shows it's it's a mix of unless i'm exclusively doing a show where it's just my originals if i'm doing a show at a local saloon a local bar hotel i'll be sure to do a mix of originals and, and covers now, until I can get to that stage where people are paying just to come and hear my original, right? You know, right. I'm only yep. at this now as an originals artist the last year, so so getting there, getting to that, getting to that point eventually. We've got one EP out, and you got another yeah. three or four tracks coming. So, man, you're you're gonna you're getting there, right? You got eight, seven, eight songs too. That's a that's a whole set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew that like myself. I knew that, but like going on tour with the Cold Stairs and playing these gigs that I've played that have been exclusively originals over the last year. Like I knew I had enough songs for a support set and that would tie me over until the second EP where I had enough songs at least for a full hour and then enough songs for, again, as I said, the songs are there. It's just a matter of getting them mixed, recorded, mixed and mastered and that that all right. costs money. And these live shows that I'm doing in between, in between, like, you know, raising the funds, they, all these funds go back into the studio into mixing and mastering the songs, you know, because I don't want to put substandard work out there you know, I'll be happy with it. Got to do it. Got to do it right. So we always like to ask our guests, like amongst your contemporaries, like who else out there do you really like respect, you know, in your area or Dublin or, or whatever that, you know, who's someone that you think might knock our socks off as well? Well, you know, as I, as I says, like uh, a lot of the arts that have and continue to inspire me, uh, are either deceased or uh, you know ceased to uh, to tour or put out put out work but I suppose some of, some of the acts that kind of contemporary acts that would continue to inspire me um, like one of them in particular is 
Electric Mary. I don't know if you're familiar with. Yeah. I've, yep. Yeah. I again like I I discovered Electric Mary uh, last year and it was just it was kind of like the cold stairs like they it just resonated with me. You know, I suppose with the their their work it's just it, it resonated with me like a lot of other artists that are here. You know they wouldn't it wouldn't uh, be as strong with me but it just really resonated with me and I've been digging them and. Yeah, that they, they've definitely uh, they've definitely been on my playlist uh, this while, um, as well, as well. Like there's uh, there's also uh, Cam Cole. He's an, I don't know if you've heard of Cam Cole. Mm-hmm. I've heard the name. He, yeah. Yep. Yeah. He he's a solo artist from the UK. Um, I actually went to see. Him. He was the first show I actually went to uh, after a lockdown here in Ireland at the Spirit Store in Dundalk. But uh, I was just yeah, like his he's such a massive sound for just one man, and he has like a He's got like he does his live vocals, live guitar, but he also does like live drums. He works like a drum kit with his feet, so it's uh, it's pretty unique. Like that, like yeah. you know, he didn't sit around and wait for uh, to meet the right people or whatever. He just says, you know, the music's in me. I'm gonna put it out there, and I'm doing it, doing it my way or the highway, you know. Right on. I re- I respect that can-do attitude. Is like just we're just gonna do it. We're gonna play and whatever whatever we have to play with, we're gonna we're gonna go there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the way yeah, you have to be in life. You know, you have to, you can't sit around waiting for opportunity to knock. You have to create your own opportunities. And after after the pandemic and just, you know, the whole kind of like uh, two years, like it really lit the fire like, to make things happen. Like, you know, like in, in the space of a year, uh, I went from just myself personally, like I went from playing like uh, Barnes in, in Castle Blaney to going on tour with the Cold Stairs and I attribute a lot of that to uh, like that that can do go and get them attitude you know knocking down doors and and creating your own opportunity speaking of opportunity have, have you had any offers or any you know getting close to coming over to the United States well, I have played in the in the US. Oh, you have. Um, okay, okay. I have. Yeah, I've I've toured in the US as well as I can say it. I've toured in the US, uh, the US. Uh, in that, like a couple of years ago, my wife and I uh, were over in the over in the US. We did like a, a tour of the uh, of the north east coast. Okay. So we did what we what did we we did twelve states in sixteen days. Oof. And uh, yeah, Greyhound. It's a fantastic way to get around. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we it is at the time we couldn't believe the price of the fares were like oh, you know twenty two dollars to get from here to here. I said this is fantastic, yeah. you know. But uh, but long ass journeys, long ass yeah. journeys. But uh, we were over there anyway. But uh, yeah, so we we were just going around seeing a bit of the, the US, and we'd met up with uh, again, like as, as I mentioned, Derek Dempsey. We'd met up with Derek Dempsey, who who's uh, a songwriter from Ireland. Now Derek, he grew up knowing my father back in the seventies, and I'd never met him, but my father says, when you're over in America, you know, a friend of mine over there, and you got to meet him. As they, as he's known over there, the King of Broadway, the uh, singer, songwriter, actor now uh, over in New York. So I met up with Derek and met up on Broadway, and he says, would you like to get up and play a few songs? And so sure enough, so I got up, and that was, uh, that, was, that was the first time in a long time that I'd actually gotten up and played any of my originals because I was playing in covers bands at the time in Ireland. Mm-hmm. I was on quote unquote, you know, holidays in the US and I got up and I said, you know, gonna play a few originals. So in Times Square I played a few originals and then I told him that we were doing like this tour of the of the 12 states. And he says, Well, I'm I'm playing up in Washington, DC in a couple of days, and um, in Boston and Philly. He says, well, why don't you 
why don't you meet me there do a few do a few more of your originals and all that and so we did that then and kind of you know i had the real itch then i says when i go back to Ireland, i says i'm i'm uh you know, I really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start making a move now as an original artist because I can't just, I can't just like that. Wait for it to happen. I've got to make my own opportunities. Can't wait to read the wait to meet the right people or whatever. So when we got back to New York, uh, I contacted the fellas over in Ireland. I says, lads, you know, I'll do these last couple of gigs, but after this, it says like, you know, and the money's great. You know, the money's great when you're doing weddings and all this. But I says, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I really need to, I really need to, to get going on this. Push myself to to work on my original stuff because it's there it's in me and I can't sit around waiting for it to happen so that kind of lit, lit the flame for me um as an original artist be over in america and then of course it wasn't long after that when i came back to ireland and covid happened that mm-hmm. it just uh, as i says all that just lit the flame to launch myself it took a long while for it to happen and um, as i said it was only a year ago that i i brought out my first single but uh yeah all the things kind of lit the flame Jason, is it that time of the show? I think it is. Jordan, would you like to, to just do our lightning round with us and answer some random questions? Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Crack. Uh, again, these don't really follow any specific format or whatever. They're kind of all over the place, so prepare yourself. What is the first show performance, live performance that you did? Uh, the first live performance show I ever did was... November 27th, 1999, at the, a bar called The Windmill in Scaries. And the song I sang was, was uh, do you remember that band, Eiffel 65? Uh, the name you know, sounds familiar, um, but I, you, you know, have to tell um, me some songs. Well, you know, I'll do it now. I haven't done it in, in what, in 20 odd years now, but you know that, I'm blue, dabba dee, dabba die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did that. I did that. And uh, I remember afterwards, people coming up to me with like, I think I got 22 pounds at the time. And for a kid, like that was a lot of money back then and the old money as well. So that's the first time I actually made the first performance I ever did. And the first time I made money from performance. So I thought, you know, this is handy. You know, this is a handy way to make a few bob. So to answer your question. Did you play guitar on that or were you just like singing to a track? I, I, I was just singing. I was just singing. Okay. I think, my, I think my, my aunt's kind of dared me to get up. Okay, you know, so an a cappella version of Blue from Eiffel sixty five. That's an Eiffel sixty five. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't think was, I've was, ever was, heard it, anybody do that. It was the nineties, you know. So that was that was the thing at the time. Yeah, I remember that. I did. I was I was young in the nineties. <laughs> that was the last time I was young. I think. Okay. <laughs> um, we go to visit Castle Blarney. Where do Castle, where should Brian? Sorry. Castle, Castle Blaney, yeah. Blaney, not Blarney. Not the Blarney Stone, Castle Blaney. Where That's do important. where do you send Brian and I to go get a meal? Oh, well, if you come to well, first of all, I'd I'd invite you to the homestead with me and Louise right. here, like at the home, we'd cook you a great meal. But uh if we were in the That's my favorite type of meal, home cooked. Yeah, I tell you, it's the, the best kind of meal. If you're ever here in Castle Blaney, that's where the advice to come. But uh if we're not here, you know, I'd I'd suggest you go down to the Glen Cairn Hotel. And they do fantastic dinners down there. We had our wedding down there. Uh, so they have fantastic meals down there. And then if you're just looking for something on the go, uh, I'd suggest uh, Conlon's. It's a, it's a wee little, uh, wee little uh, you know, fry up shop that, that just the, the farmers and all the locals kind of go into just to get a really unhealthy fry up, you know, but it tastes <laughs> lovely. It tastes lovely. 
do they have the best fish and chips or is that somewhere else oh no if you want to get the best fish and chips you'd have to go i'd say to, to dublin you'd have to go to Houghton, in dublin you know you go there early in the morning i've seen it myself like you, you get there about nine half nine in the morning you meet the fishermen coming back in and you can buy uh, bags of fish off them cash in hand you know fresh fish the freshest fish you'll get and all that fish then is is sent off to like Beshoffs and all that like the top restaurants in ireland so and you get it at the source but you get your best steak up here castle blaney okay castle blaney yeah. all right not castle blarney not the blarney stone castle blaney <laughs> <laughs> where's the best place to go see a show a music venue in castle blaney in Castle Blaney. Well, you know, a lot of the bands that a lot of the bands that passed through, I mean, back a lot of the bands that passed through, particularly back in the day, like back in back in the 70s, 70s, like they, they had they had a, a music venue here called the ballroom. And you had uh, you had bands like Tin Lizzy play there, mm-hmm. uh Don McLean. Are they played. Irish or Scottish? Irish, Tin Lizzy, or I, Irish. Okay, yeah. okay. I, I tried. I was going to throw them into my U two and cranberry sing, and then the last second, I'm like, oh my god, are they Scottish or Irish? Oh yeah, no, it'd be it'd be it'd be it'd be, uh, it'd be you know it'd be it'd be sacrilegious to, to call them Scottish over here. That's you know, why they're... I didn't say anything. Yeah. I just doubted myself. <laughs> yeah, before you come to Ireland, you, you need to know that they're Irish. Just just before you say that, to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're Irish, but uh, like they've played here, you know, and then. On the same site, they built the Glencairn Hotel. So the Glencairn Hotel, it's also a music venue. So all the big acts that come come through town, that's where they'll play at the Glencairn at the ballroom. Um, so I'd suggest now if you wanted to see a big act or a good act, uh, go to the Glencairn. But then you know as well in the in the local bars as well, like you get you get like proper good acts playing there as well. But they they might be you know like myself putting out original music, artists that are putting out original work, but they're also you know funding funding their projects and funding their work. So you'll find them maybe playing uh, playing uh, dance nights and whatnot, joy of music uh, and, and covers, you know, but they'll throw in their originals as well. So it's really, uh, it's really kind of, you never know what you're going to hear, really, you know, you never know what you're going to hear. Paddy Cole, uh, the famous Paddy Cole and uh, Big Tom, uh, they owned bars here in the town and they used to play regularly, you know, and, they're top class musicians, but you just never know who you're going to hear here in Castle Blaney. I love it. I like Brian. That's kind of nice to have a little bit of a diversity of, of music coming through a place. Absolutely. Jordan, what's your what's your favorite place to play? My favorite place to play. Um, let me think now. Uh, well, I suppose the uh, my favorite place to play. I I, I played Whelan's in Dublin. Uh, Earlier in the year, I supported uh, Roosevelt Collier on, on, his, on his European tour. And I played here in Whelan's in Dublin. And, like, that was just really cool. Like, for me to play, Whelan's is, like, the number one music venue in Ireland. Uh, that's, like, a lot of my favourites have played there, like Jeff Buckley. Uh, they've all played there. And to play that stage was just was just amazing, you know. So I'd love to play, I'd love to play there again. Hopefully now, in the future, no doubt I will. But... Uh, that was an experience. I love to play there. But in Castle Blaney, my favourite place to play is the Spinning Wheel, which is in the main street. Again, it's one of the music venues here in town. Is Castle Blaney like Nashville, where Nashville has, um, you know, a whole street of just, it's like touristy, but, you know, they have Broad, um, broad Street or whatever that has all the, you know, the main pubs. Is, is that 
is that what you have there in Castle Blaney? Yeah, like in Castle Blaney, you know, you've got your suburbs, but the, the main street itself is just one big uh, strip, I suppose you could say. Yeah. It's not, it's not too big now, but like you've got, you know, more bars and music venues than you can count, <laughs> you know, and uh, you've got, you know, you've got, you've got stores there as well, like uh, EJ Hughes's that sells like music merch from okay. like, like local artists like myself, you know, um, and, and he himself is in a band, The Outlaws, you should check them out there. They're uh, great artists. Yeah, if you if you check it out, uh, the Outlaws, you have the best part of the day is the night. So that's one of their big hits. But that's the same gentleman, the songwriter there, Sean Hughes. He owns the music shop in town here, and like they sell musical instruments and, and merch from local artists and stuff. So it, they really there's a great support here in the town, the heritage and the love of music. Uh, they really support artists like myself, and it was like that. I says like coming from Dublin, playing in cover bands. Like I didn't really, you know, everyone's trying to fit in the box. It's only when I came to Castle Blaney that I, I found myself as an artist and, they'd be, you know, the town's been really supportive in, in uh, me establishing myself as an artist. So it's been great to, to experience that, to have that support here. Love it. I, Brian, we're going to have to visit. We're going to have to take a All Things Blues and Southern Rock trip over there, hang out with Jordan and his wife, and they'll have to take us through the Nashville of Ireland. That sounds good to me. Absolutely, gentlemen. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, two-part question. As a guitar player, what is your yeah. favorite solo of a cover to play, and what is your favorite solo of an original to play? Okay, well, geez, let me think. Now, my favorite cover of a solo to play. Uh, see, normally, normally when I play a cover of a solo, like I'll stick to the original, but I'll go off on a tangent then. As you should, you should. You know, it's good to put a little of your own flair on something. You know, I like. Uh, I like I, I like not that I not that I cover I don't cover I do cover some of the band but I don't cover this particular song but I love Rocket Queen by Guns N' Roses yeah. okay. like uh, I've seen them play that live and and sometimes it goes off into like areas of jazz like kind of like almost like fusion rock and it's just it's really fun to play uh, that's just for fun like uh, and then when it comes to my own uh, work uh, so far I suppose the the solo I love to play is uh, King of the Strings. Um, I remember, like when I was writing King of the Strings before I recorded it, I, I sat, well, I sat down and over, this is over lockdown, and I spoke with uh, Philip Sace, uh, the guitar player, and uh, just to get some. Oh, Philip Sace, yeah, yeah, yeah. Philip Sace, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd ask him. I says, "Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm launching myself as I'm putting out my first single as a as an originals artist. Something I've wanted to do for years, but I'm only getting around to it now." And I says, "You know, when it comes to the solo, I says, how." I'm just curious as to how to approach it. I says, like, some people say it should be spontaneous. Some people say it should, like, it should be crafted. It should be composed. And he says, you know, he says, just sit down and do a take and see what comes natural. And he says, like, you know, you can you can kind of listen back and you can you can pick what you liked out of that. You can add to it. You can take away, et cetera, et cetera. So actually, that's what I did. And, and the, the solo that you hear on King of the Strings on the re recorded version is the, the first take. It's actually the first take. I didn't do that now with uh, Battle Cry. I didn't do that with Equalize, but I did it with King of the Strings. So maybe that's one of the reasons it's so much fun to play. Yeah, a lot of emotion and power behind that one too. Yeah, yeah. All right. What is one piece of gear that you, like a dream piece of gear that you want to have that you don't? Dream piece of gear that I'd love to have that I don't. Um my my setup is pretty basic uh, in that like I've never really been a fella that's been into 
effects or nothing like that. So when it comes to my live shows, again, it's just my guitar plugged into my my Marshall. You can't go wrong. You, with are you playing a Strat? What are you playing? I'm playing Gibson Les Paul. Oh, Les Paul. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Good for you. That's how you should play Gibson Les Paul. <laughs> There's not too many fellas or, or ladies nowadays I, I see playing Gibsons. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, you know, I play a Les Paul. No, I've had it modified. Um, I one of one of I'm endorsed by Moon Dot Music, and they're a, they're a company here actually, and about ten minutes up the road here, in Castle Blaney, uh, husband and wife, uh, Darren and Holly, and they make electronics and they make guitars and they make musical instruments. And I says to them, I says, look, I says, uh, you know, the hard rock and blues. I says it's all well and good with the Les Paul. I says, but for my country influences, like the man in the hat, you listen to that song, it sounds very. Uh, it sounds like a Telecaster in my mind or a Strat. That's a tin kind of sound. And that's done on the Les Paul. But I says to him, I says, I want you to, I want you to modify the Les Paul. So I want you to build me a pickup that I can split the coil. And mm-hmm. they built me, they built me a pickup uh, for my Les Paul that I could split the coil. And they based the pickup on the early uh, model, circuit model for the Telecasters back in the fifties. So it kind of has that really authentic country twang to it, that, that sound, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's what you hear on the record. Um, so it was because it was, was kind of like, you know, well, do I buy a Strat to get that sound? But then, like, I've got my number one guitar, Loretto. And I says, I'd rather kind of invest and see what I could get out of that, what kind of sound I could get out of that. And that's what I did. So when it comes to, like, my dream piece of gear, um, it's just been a case of kind of investing and building on what I already have. And so with, with Loretta, for example, I, I had a pickup built to get that strat sound and um, i'm quite happy with that i don't really i'm not really wanting for anything at the moment <laughs> <laughs> that's you know what that's a pretty good spot to be in yeah yeah well i'm a great believer that, that, that a lot of it's in the hands you know you know absolutely personally. that's where your tone personally. comes from firstly all right next question these are our psycho questions coming from Leilani yeah. Kilgore. These are these are important. <laughs> when putting on your shoes, do you yeah. put your socks on both feet and then your shoes on, or do you do one foot first where you put the sock and shoe on, and you move the other foot, sock and shoe? Um, well, my my wife actually said this to me. She said that she brought this up to me. Yeah, no, I put my two socks on, and. Uh, then yeah like the two shoes you know the okay. two shoes like maybe it's the ocd you know it could be something like that subconscious i think thing that's the right way to do it though you know that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a correct so. way to do it I'm, I'm glad those ireland's carrying on the proper way of, of, of footwear yeah yeah oh you know but i've known people like i know friends that like no i you know i haven't seen it now but i know friends that whose wives have told me oh you know such and such like you'll put a sock on then i'll put one trouser leg on he'll put a shoe on then i'll put another sock on another trouser Weird. leg so people have their own weird kind of things they do in the privacy right their own homes. Yeah. You know. When making a bowl of cereal, do you put the cereal in the bowl and then the milk or the milk and then the cereal? Well, it might be, this might be an Irish thing or a European thing, but uh, I put the cereal in and then I put the water in. I don't put milk in. Water? Yeah. Yeah, water. Why Water. Well, I just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I like the, I like the, uh, normally I'd have some in the morning, you know, I'd have like my, my oats or my, uh, 
yeah. porridge. You know, I'd have maybe a bit of fruit with it, a bit of honey, a bit of cinnamon. Okay. And I put it. I put in a bit of water. And You're making hot know. cereal though—that's different. Oh, hot cereal, like yeah. 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 Oh, no, well, we, well, we, Crunch or Cheerios. We don't have Captain Crunch over here, and we've got Cheerios. Oh, if I was having Cheerios now, I'd have my milk with it. Yeah, yeah. But you I would put Captain in the Crunch. No, no, we don't have Captain Crunch. I, I don't know what it tastes like. I don't know, Brian. You, uh, what, what does Captain? Cr it's like sugary corn cereal, and it scrapes the crap out of the top of your mouth when you have it. <laughs> so, like eating broken glass. For sugar. A little bit. You got to let it sit in the milk a little bit to soften up, because it will really, you know, scrape up the top of your mouth. Well, that's that's one of the things that I loved about when we visited America, seeing or trying all these foods that we don't get over in Ireland. Yeah. You know, like we we were in a restaurant in New York, and uh, I asked for a burger, and the waiter says to me, "How would you like it done?" I was kind of like, what do you mean? How do I, like, how would I like it? Done? Over here in Ireland, you ask for a burger, you just get a burger. But he yeah. says, no, no, over here in America, like, we'll cook it like, you know, well done, we'll cook it like medium. Or, and I got it like blue. Because over in Ireland, it's illegal. You can't get your, your burgers blue because of the, the, the health and safety uh, protocols in place. We don't care so, about I, that stuff over here, trust me. I got it over in America and it was the most amazing burger I've ever had in my life. And the only way I can get it here now in Ireland is when I go to the butchers and buy steak and cook it for myself at home. <laughs> So you like a little bit of a bloody burger. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Bloody steak. <laughs> Is there any other food that surprised you or that you really liked over here that you can't get in Ireland? Yeah. Uh, well, we went to, when we were in Boston, we took a stroll through Quincy Market and uh, we got uh, these things called corn dogs. You know, we don't have them over in Ireland. <laughs> corn dogs, yeah. It was lovely, it handy, like so not messy at all. You just dip it in your in your red sauce, whatever. <laughs> you know, meat and fried foods on a stick is a very much an American thing and it's super convenient. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like first you take a hot dog and you stick it in cornmeal and then you fry it and then you dip it in ketchup, mustard, whatever you want. That's that's it, yeah. So trying all these American foods it was it was definitely uh, an experience. Did you go to Dunkin' Donuts at least because you're on the East Coast? And we did, yeah. We yeah. did go to Dunkin'. The one thing I was, we went to Dunkin' Donuts in Boston and it was, uh, it was everything we hoped it would be. But the one thing we were disappointed with was McDonald's. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a McDonald's guy. I'm a Burger King guy. I always have been. Um, and people told us, oh, no, but when you go to the States over in America, you know, McDonald's is like, it's amazing. Like they do it proper over there. And we went to McDonald's and it was just as disappointing as it is <laughs> here in Ireland. I've usually found the opposite. When you go to McDonald's in another country, it's better. And they have like regional or country stuff like when i was in the netherlands they had met croquette sandwiches and like croquette is a great food. oh yeah like, this is nice yeah oh no in continental europe like in france and that uh it, it is a different experience and it's proper good like you can get beer over there mcdonald's and everything it's totally different that's how it should brian we should be able to get beer in mcdonald's <laughs> over here i'm telling you I don't know how that turned out for some folks. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. But you're a Burger King guy. So Burger King yeah. is better in, in Europe, or at least Ireland, than it is McDonald's. Burger King, KFC. Um, but oh, my favorite chain over in America then when we were over there was Popeyes. Oh, yeah, Popeyes. there you go. Oh, the best, the best chicken I've ever had. Spicy? Did you get the spicy or just the fried? Oh, I think I just got fried. Yeah, I just got fried and I got like macaroni and cheese. Again, that's yep. stuff we don't really get over here. Very southern food, heavy, oh, yeah. yeah, comfort food. Yeah, oh yeah, and you get red beans and rice. Get all sorts yeah. of stuff. You get a, you can get a hot fried fish sandwich, like spicy, or a hot fried chicken sandwich as well if you like spicy food. Yeah, oh, they, they they do fried chicken proper over there. 
big property they do and, and biscuits are pretty good yeah <laughs> you should you should you need to go a youtube show where it's just you talking about fast food no mind you good. i should i should also mention that one you know when i got back from america i wasn't in the healthiest uh <laughs> condition but uh you know I, it's something that had to be done i had to experience all these different things Brian and I have to live over here with this stuff every day, man. How do you think we feel? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Um, where, where is a place in America that you want to play some point? Like, Hey, I know you want to come over, you want to do a solo tour, but like, what is a great music venue that you'd love to play? Well, you know, you'd asked me earlier, I don't know, maybe I dodged, not dodged the question, but maybe I kind of went around it, but uh, you'd asked me about touring or playing in America. Like I've had, I suppose, the offers. I've got connections in America and they've said it to me about coming over to do a, a tour. Um, and like that, it will, it will happen. But again, it's going to be one of these things when I have enough original materials that I'll go over yeah. to do it because it will be a full show. Um, it'll likely be in the Northeast, Northeastern States, Uh but if you're asking me like one place I'd love to play, um, I'd love to play, uh, you know, down down where because of my, I suppose maybe because of my, my love of westerns, I'd love to play down around Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, around that country like with the John where the John Ford films were made, like where the real American like uh, you know Wild West history took place and all that. I think it would just be a great experience to to see. I don't know what the, do they call that the Midwest? Is it or that's the Southwest? That's the Southwest. Is it Southwest? Yeah. Yeah. Ryan and I live in the Midwest. We're in different states, but we're both considered the Midwest. Midwest. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, you know, I say that, but I mean, like, I mean, some people want to do like Red Rocks is always a you know in Colorado where you're got mountains behind you and everything's a big one. Or yeah. hey, you want to play one of the Fillmore East gigs, or you want to play one of these kind of like notable clubs or theaters. Beacon it'd be cool to play the whiskey it'd be really Beacon, cool to play yeah. the whiskey there you go the whiskey Angeles, yeah that, i mean you know. that's la guns i think just did two nights there uh yeah, the 30th and 31st i think i want to hear that i'm a big la guns fan i like those guys and the thing about like the places like the whiskey is that it's it's as famous as it is like it's still it still is what it is it's a small intimate venue club yeah i think they're the best gigs you know i've got like when i go to gigs or when i'm playing a show not that I play stadiums because I don't, but like when I go to gigs or when I'm playing gigs, like the small, the small shows are, are the best, like the smaller venues, you know, really pack everybody in and the atmosphere just reverberates off the walls. Everybody, it's just, it's a different, a different ball game. I've moved to more appreciate the smaller or mid-sized places more than the large places. I really don't enjoy going to large arenas or coliseums no. or things for a show anymore. Brian, like what, what do you, I mean, you like the smaller stages, don't you? Yeah, I mean, really nothing bigger than a theater. Yeah. Maybe an amphitheater. Yeah. It's a, just a better like a, experience, right? Because you get those big places and you're not, you're so far away. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel like you're part of what's going on. Yeah. No, we, we like, if I'm, if Louise and I, my wife and I, if we're going to a show now, if I'm going to a show, if it's a bigger venue and I can't be up close front or like, I, I, I'd just be as happy to sit somewhere in the back because at least, like, I'm comfortable. I can still hear it, mm-hmm. you know. Like, we're going to see Motley Crue and Def Leppard now in uh, June. And again, it's an outdoor show. Yeah. But as opposed to just, and there's no sitting, so as opposed to being somewhere at the back, we got tickets right up the front in the pit. So at least we can, you know, it'll be as intimate as I can be. But like that, yeah, like, I, I prefer when I'm going to shows, like, those smaller venues, you know, those smaller venues. Are they playing in Dublin at, like, a soccer stadium or something? Uh, no, they're playing in well, Dublin. I think it's called there they're playing, which is just a border county. They're playing in Marley Park. 
So you have like Motley Crue are doing a set and then Def Leppard are doing a set. So it's a double bill. You're going to see John Five play Takeover for Mick Mars. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward looking forward to that. You know, it would have been cool to see Mick now in concert, like live. But uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing John Five. He's some guitar player. He's a great, really great, good guitar player. Great country player as well. I don't know if a lot he, of people know that. That but. guy can do anything. I've seen, watched a lot of videos of him. He's just... just whatever you do and he plays telecasters that's his that's, that's his right, guitar. Yeah. yeah which is interesting because you figure a guy who plays that kind of like a lot of more heavy music known for like playing a telly is an interesting choice yeah yeah he's very very versatile guitar player he is all right give us a guilty pleasure song band or artist pleasure song band or artist something you know, that you say you're only there because your wife likes it <laughs> <laughs> you'd be man i tell you now you you fellas would be surprised what i listen to I, you know i mean there's the music there's the music i write and the work that i do and that's just like that's just what comes out when i sit down to write i mean but like my my taste in work and like our uh, music is is very very broad and very collective like i listen anywhere from like Led Zeppelin to Rick James, you know, I listened to like, you know, Ennio Morricone down to, I don't know, you could say like Doja Cat, like it's, it's so broad, like my appreciation of music, I just, you know, like I listen to different genres and I kind of, if I like something, I'll take, I'll take from that, like what I find to be, to be uh, the most valuable or whatever, what I can learn from or pick from, but uh, a guilty pleasure, um, you know, when I, when I, when I do, when I'm not gigging, I say like I'm, I'm out with my wife, whatever we, we like doing karaoke and I particularly like to sing all those songs that I'd never do live or never get to sing. So like we're out, like I, you know, we, we love doing like, uh, you know, like a journey. Like I love journey, but like, we'd love yeah. to sing it like songs that I'd never cover or mm. wouldn't even be in my genre. Like we like doing like Stevie wonder, all these songs that I murder that I, I sing terribly, you know, <laughs> I, I, you probably do just fine. Does your wife sing as well? Is that what I hear? Uh, no, but she, 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 my wife uh, would be the first to tell you that, you know, she's not a singer, but uh, we both love karaoke because we, we love getting up there and just having a laugh, you know, and we'll sing all those songs that like people don't want to hear, but we just want to sing because they're our guilty pleasures, you know. And that's kind of, that's what you should do with karaoke. You should play something that's fun and that you enjoy, not necessarily that you can nail. Yeah. Yeah. Like we did karaoke there, uh recently and what did we do we did uh queen we did queen now again i you know we can't i can't sing queen but we did queen and then we did uh who else did we do we did queen and i don't know i don't know who we did we did queen and someone else anyway like uh, and one song we did anyway like i could do a half decent job and and the other song i completely destroyed you know people come up to you and say like the woman in the band says like i can tell you sing like i can tell you sing you know because she could tell that i was taking one song a bit more seriously, like, you know, it involves some technique, but normally what I do, I just get up and I, I murder the song, have a bit of a laugh, <laughs> you know. Like, I, I, we were at the wedding, like, at our wedding, like, we were singing, like, we were singing Frank Sinatra, we were singing, like, uh, Motley Crue, all these, like, just buttering all these songs. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. I mean, you know, to go to a wedding and people are karaoke Frank Sinatra and Motley Crue. That's that would be a lot of fun, Brian. What do you think? Wide variety there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's wide, you know. It's wide variety, you know. And that's all right. My taste this last music. question is the most important one. All right, because yeah, it yeah. is tied to your country. 
what is the best beer from Ireland? Best beer from Ireland. Well, best beer. Well, I, you know, the best beer from Ireland. See, it's not a beer now, but uh, it's a stout. But okay. Guinness, Guinness. You know, if you're if you're coming to Ireland, honestly, like the best drink to get is Guinness, and it's true what they say. You know, it doesn't taste it doesn't taste the same anywhere else in the world. If you want to get a proper point of Guinness, you got to come to Ireland. Like, yeah, you know, they. I've they always grew. heard that. I was wondering if yeah. you're going to say that, and that's why I asked that. Oh, it's true. It's true. Now, one of the reasons being is because Guinness is is uh, when it when it's stu- when it's made and it's stu- now I know this because, like I said, I was a barman for many years. But Guinness, they make it in St. James's Gate in Dublin. And uh, when they distribute it out, you know, it has, if you like, if you like, it has a shelf life, you know. But mm-hmm. of course, when they distribute it out, then like every pub in Ireland has its own setup at the pumps. So you'll have like, I think it's two, you've got two setups. I think one's nitrogen and the one's something else. I don't know what it is, but basically it's specifically uh, given to the pubs by the Guinness company to serve draft Guinness. And that's what gives Guinness a certain taste. But when they mm-hmm. export Guinness, to say Europe, the UK or the States, you know, these pubs aren't given the same pumps. They're not, these bars aren't, they're not as accommodating. So you might have Guinness coming through a Budweiser tap or a Heineken tap. And that's one of the reasons partially why it doesn't taste quite the same. You know, we were in, when, when we were in Philly, uh, a lady, the bar lady poured us a pint of Guinness and to her, like she said it was the best point like she's ever poured, you know, but it just did not taste the same. Did not taste yeah. the same, you know. But if you're coming to Ireland, I'd recommend Guinness. Guinness, okay. point of Guinness. I, I do like Guinness. I do like some of the other Irish beers, but I've always heard that it is different in Ireland. And the closer you get to the factories, so like me and my mates were in Dublin one day, and we walked up to the Guinness factory and went to McCann's, which is the closest pub to the factory. So naturally, when they when they distribute it, it's the first bar that gets the Guinness. So it's the fresh. You just have point. a line running right from the factory. That's to that it. Bar. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's it. Well, Jordan, it was nice to finally connect with you and have you on here. Love your Likewise. EP, The Man in the Hat. Looking forward to new stuff coming out this year. Where do you want to send all of our listeners to go find out more about you, music, tour dates, all that? Well, you know, I, I, I'd say um, the best place to reach me is probably like I'm on a few socials, but I'm on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd say the best place to reach me will be Instagram. It's probably where I'm most active. And okay. um, you can also visit King of the Strings.ie, which is my website. But uh, yeah, no, I'd encourage people to go onto Spotify, go onto Instagram, give us a follow. You know, uh, for an independent artist like myself, all the support is appreciated and really goes a long way in helping us uh, kind of broaden our brand. If you like. Yeah, man, I, lo- I love there. what you're doing. Your guitar playing is amazing. I love the first four songs and I can't wait to hear more from you. Thanks very much, fellas. And it's been a pleasure uh, talking to yourself, Brian and Jason. Thanks very much for having me on your show. Thanks so much for being on. It's Jordan Dennis. Um, EP is Man in the Hat, and we definitely will be supporting you any way we can. So thank you for being on. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thanks to Jordan Dennis for joining us, uh, our first Irish performer. Uh, what do you got to say about that? That was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. And we were talking before we started recording and before Jordan got on, and I said, hey, I wonder how strong his Irish accent is and hopefully we can understand him. And clearly he was no problem oh, was at great. all. He was great. Uh, and I, I just dig his playing, man. I mean, I, I'm a guitar guy and he, he can, he can, he can play some riffs and do some shredding. And I, I can't wait to see where 
his music evolution takes him. You know, and it was interesting to hear about how he does his live stuff. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm becoming a little more open to that. You know, usually I kind of kid around, you know, someone doesn't have a bass player, or they, you know, they do, uh, you know, do it over, you know, whatever digital electronic kind of thing. But, uh, you know, it's also understandable too. It's such a great point. Like, you know, when a guy's trying to do his music and, you know, you don't want to deal with, you know, possible drama, of, you know, other folks, you know, when you're beginning. So, but uh, or, yeah, and, and you're, you're starting to do your solo stuff when COVID is going raging and you probably mm -hmm. don't have that opportunity right. to meet people to form a band. So I, I get it. Um, I get it. It'll be interesting to see him play live. I think I've seen some clips of him maybe, but maybe I didn't realize he didn't have accompaniment or not, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was a little bit cold stairs just too when they were a two piece and he was talking about how he plays the bass notes along with the guitar stuff. Cause that's very much what mm -hmm. Chris had, had done when they were a two piece band. Well, I'm sure too. I mean, it helps, you know, with the finances when you're starting out. Yeah, absolutely. And it, no good dude and um, young guy. So he's got plenty of runway in front of him. I mean, it'd just be curious to see this next group of songs. He said they're a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit more bluesy. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's always good to learn stuff on the fly too with some of our guests. And I had, I was completely unaware that he had been over here before playing gigs. Yeah. Anyway, he's got a good contact on Broadway, it sounds like too. I've heard that guy's name before. I couldn't tell you anything specifically about him, but he said Derek Dempsey. I'm like, I've heard I've heard that name. Like I know mm -hmm. that name from mm -hmm. something. And we learned that Ireland has their equivalent of Nashville, Castle Blaney. Not Castle Blarney, like I originally said. <laughs> Castle Blaney. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to check more into that. You know, maybe we'll find some more guests. You know, from there, that definitely, definitely sounded great. Sounded great. When we had technical dif difficulties, I googled it, and there's a bunch of YouTube like videos showing Castle Blaney. So I know what I'm gonna do tonight. I'm gonna check out some videos yeah, of sure. Castle Blaney, the Nashville of Europe. And he mentioned Electric Mary, who I've I've, I've come across. Let's do a little bit, and Cam Cole as well. Yeah. <laughs> And Philip Sace, too, who's an um, right. American guy. But, like, a couple people have told us that we should have him on. And he, he's actually a really talented dude as well. Mm -hmm. We'll definitely have to check that out. So, yeah. No, it's great to have our first uh, Irish guest. And uh, what a great conversation it was. And until we get the next one, always remember, Southern Rock is reverent, loses blood. We'll see you next time. <laughs>
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.